Welcome to the new Irish Writing Podcast on independent.ie. My name is Dermot Bulger. New Irish Writing, an acclaimed platform for emerging talent, has appeared in a national newspaper ever since being launched by David Marcus in 1968. It has now returned to the Irish Independent, edited by Kieran Carty, who has been the editor of the page since 1989. Hundreds of writers who were given their first chance to new Irish writing have since gone on to publish their first books, with many becoming leading figures in Irish literature. They include Anne Enright, Neil Jordan, Paula Mean, Joseph O'Connor, Colin McCann, Verona Gork, myself, Dermot Bulger, Mike McCormick, Sarah Bourne, Bernard McLaverty, Sebastian Barry, Dirty Madden, John Byne, Anthony Glavin, and many others. In a new initiative by the Irish Independent, New Irish Writing now invites the writer of each selected story to give a podcast reading of their work. Here is this month's story. My name is Luke Power, and this is a piece called Eloise. I spent my first year in college like lots of people who do arts and are able to think. I drank only semi-regularly, but often to excess. I toyed with the idea of developing serious feelings for someone, and then accidentally developed serious feelings for someone. I picked up a sporadic smoking habit. I read a lot, and read very little of what I was supposed to read. I tried psychedelics, but only once, so I could tell my future nephew about it. Most people were not as smart as I was, but in retrospect, they might have been more clever. It was not clever of me to choose to fall in love with Eloise, for example, who was French. And still is, probably. The French are like that. She smoked and secretly hated that she knew with absolute certainty that life was meaningless. She grew to secretly hate me, too, but mostly because she hated herself. Eloise played the violin, had ambitions for politics and drew exciting shopfronts she saw around Galway City in a notebook with thick paper. In a pub together in autumn, the wind blew against the stained glass windows. Her friends were there who were nicer and less interesting than she was. They liked me but didn't understand me. It was a good pub, in that the music was too loud and the floor was sticky and smelled of piss. Do you want to dance? Eloise flicked a dark eye in my direction. I don't like to dance. This music is shitty. Will you not dance because you don't like to, or because the music is shitty? She shrugged and checked her phone. She did that constantly, which was strange because all of her friends were there and she had asked me to come for a drink. Maybe she had a sick family member back in Bordeaux or there there was an unusual weather event in Austria. When dancing failed, I tried for philosophy. I usually led with philosophy, but there was something so inherently philosophical about Eloise that it seemed crass. Like asking a waiter was it okay to drink the wine that he had just poured for you. Do you like Camus? I said. Who? Camus. Oh, yeah, of course. You don't pronounce the S. Stupid question, I thought. Of course she likes Camus. Early Camus or late Camus? She looked amused. Early or late? Was he a member of the Beatles? Sorry, I said. Was he a member of the Beatles? I wondered how much I'd had to drink. No, I mean the French philosopher. Eloise said something under her breath and stood up. I'm going for a smoke, 
she told Rachel, her coarse buddy from Glasgow. I'll come with you. I jumped to my feet. The music had entered the ABBA and Boney M section. Do you smoke? She said. Yes, I wondered. The beer garden was jammed, so Eloise turned on her heel and made for the front door. Her sudden change in direction confirmed my lack of sobriety, and I crashed into a tall man wearing denim shorts and a grey shirt, sending both of us sprawling. He looked like Hosier, and I'm still not certain he wasn't Hosier. I unstuck myself from the ground and hurried after her, out to the street. I winked at the bouncer as I passed. I'll be back, Trev. He frowned. My name is Johnny. Eloise leaned on a windowsill and checked her phone while lighting the cigarette. I asked her for one, and she threw me the box. When I had it in my mouth, she tried to light it for me, and then cursed in French, gave me the lighter and went back to her phone. I tried to light it eight or nine times until the wind flicked it from my mouth, unlit, into the Carob River. The night was cold. The light draped over us, warm and yellow. It's difficult to describe what Eloise looked like using words like beautiful, brunette, cold, though all of those things were true. The problem was they were static, stale, unsuited to crafting an image of the sublime. There was a lazy tension to her movements. She was soft-featured, but her expressions were often savage. She was petite, but her presence in a room was profound. What? she asked without looking up. I was just watching you, I said. Yes? You're a nice person to watch, I suppose. I hesitated, something I rarely did then. I think you're as beautiful as Lady Philosophy. There was a silence. From that book, uh, you know... Eloise looked a bit disturbed and went back to her screen. The box of cigarettes was still in my hand, so I took out another one and tried again. It lit first go this time. I smiled roguishly and held the box out to her so that she might have another one. You are a very unusual person, said Eloise, carefully enunciating each word. Her English was excellent. My friends think you might be a creep. And what do you think? The bit about her friends probably wasn't true. I was often quite well liked. We'll see. Back inside, we sat with Rachel between us. I offered to buy a round and was appalled at how much a round costs in the city. I didn't buy a second round, but I did buy for myself a number of small, potent drinks. The evening became night, became morning, and then Eloise and Rachel were arguing. And do you know what else? said Rachel. You're a stuck-up cow. Eloise smiled viciously and opened her mouth, but I raised a finger and pointed it at Rachel. It swayed before my eyes. You will never know the pureness of her soul, I declared. Never. Rachel looked bemused. I was probably quite difficult to understand at that stage. And then she sort of hissed at Eloise, stood up and left. I drunkenly regarded the rest of the group as they all made shapes to follow suit. Aoife had already ran out after her. Eloise looked at me strangely. 
I remember, for shame, not another word she said that night. She brought me back to her student accommodation and I basked in her affection, presumably, but my state of drunkenness was such that I wasn't fit for purpose. I passed out on the couch and she left me where I was and went to bed. She didn't throw a blanket or jacket over me. I woke the next morning to a note telling me to let myself out and it was neither signed nor scented. I left quietly and it was seven months before I'd speak to her again. I tried so hard to be philosophical in the time that followed. I didn't think of her every day, even when passing her in the corridors on campus. But I thought of her every night. Or not her, but someone like her. Someone female and uncaring who disdained me to the same degree that I adored them. I made efforts to keep her phantom at bay. I read Hume and Mill at empty bus stops in the middle of the night and wrote poetry about theories of economic justice. I had casual sex, filled with dread and a feeling of pointlessness. It was necessary, but impossible, to fall back in love with myself. My exams went well. I finished my second last one, History of Philosophy, ticked the box, and went to the college bar where the music was loud and terrible and the beer was cheap and effective. I would have gone with mates, but I didn't have many. Platonic friendship was so rare in those days. I got a drink and headed for the smoking area where the interesting people gathered in the dusk like moths. The air thrummed with conversation and the sound of the river hung in it below the music. Exam drinking was the best kind and the mood was good. I nodded to people I knew and walked just out of the light to where the railing over the river was. I saw the smoke and caught the glow from the corner of my left eye. Hey. She said. Hey, I said. She looked exactly as she looked any time I'd seen her before. She was unchangeable, non-contingent. She was still on her phone. Did you finish all your exams? She said. No, I replied. One left. What about you? You here to celebrate? When she laughed, it was a hard, beautiful sound, like Waterford Crystal but not really. No, I've got three left. I'm just here with my boyfriend. Oh, I leaned against the railing. Things I could say to her flitted through my head. When do you go back to France? Three weeks, she said. That's cool, I said. She shrugged and kept her eyes on her phone, holding it in the same hand as the cigarette. Why do you smoke those things? Eloise frowned as she always did when questioned and then looked thoughtful. Because I'm young and my body is strong and today I'm invincible. You have that word, yes? I nodded to her question. And tomorrow? Ash floated into the river from a flick of a long finger. Tomorrow? Who knows? I might die, but it won't be because of cigarettes. May I? She lit it for me, cupping her hand around my face roughly and intimately. We both reclined without speaking in the half-dark for a moment. The music had taken a distinctly 2014 turn, and the bass trembled the steel bars we rested our lower backs on.
You never came looking for me after that night you slept on my sofa. I was taken aback because I felt as though I'd pursued her every night since. You didn't seem to want me to. I thought you were kind of an asshole, she said as though I hadn't spoken. Her English was accentless, sterile. You think things about yourself. You have, what did Rachel call them? Notions. You have notions. I disliked Rachel but knew her to be a truthful person. Eloise slid the phone into her pocket and I realised I'd never seen it out of her hand. I've never valued what Rachel thought, she said. She called you a creep. You called my soul pure and you asked me to dance. Eloise looked at me with an unreadable expression in the darkness. I hesitated, but I had to ask. Do you believe you have a soul? No, she said. I'd ask you to dance again, but your boyfriend... I don't have one. I wanted to get a reaction from you, but I didn't, because you're an unfeeling person and you don't care. I had suspected the former for years, but she was wrong about the latter. Right. Yes. Eloise shrugged. You're no fucking angel yourself, I said. She didn't reply. I threw my cigarette into the river. And now? Do you want to dance now? She raised an eyebrow and cocked her head to one side, listening. The music is still shitty, but I did lie about not liking to dance. I held out a hand. Voulez-vous danser avec moi? That's not charming, she said. Please don't do that. Right. Sorry. But she smiled with her eyes. I hadn't seen her do that before. What's the song? she asked. Tsunami. I said, by Martin Garrix, I think. She seemed thoughtful as we approached the door. Do you prefer early Garrix or late Garrix? She took one look at my expression and laughed, and there was nothing philosophical about that sound. We danced and drank spirits, and later we sat on the edge of the canal and finished the box of cigarettes, shivering and talking about whatever it is that Selfish, unhappy people talk about when they're drunk and happy and distracted. We used each other recklessly and ruthlessly, and I remember only pieces of it. Perhaps the morning birds sang a pre-dawn chorus and dogs howled at the moon, I... I don't know. But I remember forgetting. And street lamp orange... New Irish Writing, edited by Kieran Carty and appearing in the Irish Independent on the first Saturday of each month, is open to writers who are Irish or resident in Ireland. Stories submitted should not exceed 2,000 words. Up to four poems may be submitted. There is no entry fee. Writers whose work is selected will receive 120 euros for fiction and 60 euro for poetry. You can email your entry preferably as a word document to newirishwriting at independent.ie, all one word. 
please make sure to include your name, address and contact number, as well as a brief biographical paragraph. Only writers who have yet to publish their first book can be considered. Thank you and good luck with your writing.